Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm glad that you are here. I'm up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, down in Baltimore, Maryland, shortstop for the Savannah Bananas. We got Jeff Simpson. Got a baby. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, wearing a Mustang hat. This is Delmar Pete. Good to be back, fellas. Now, why does he get a this is? He said this is Delmar Pete. He didn't say that for me. That's not fair. <laughs> because you are, man. Uh, <laughs> down in the in, in Safety Harbor, Florida, in uh, the nice warm weather, uh, we have Andrew Larson. Listen, I'm wearing a sweater because it was like 58 degrees when I left my house this morning. So hey, now the AC is ta- blasting and the sleeves are rolled up, but I'm still wearing it. Let's talk about this because we have progressively thinner jackets as we go from north to south in our pictures right now. That's actually true. Frank and I are in hoodies. Delmar (laughs) is in like a like a a, like a track jacket. Yeah, just like a track coat. Yeah, and Andrew is in a MLB jersey thin sweatshirt. I'm wearing a uh, Gap sweater that was purchased at Sam's Club, (laughs) and it got washed once and it completely fell apart. But I still love it. See, before that one wash. Those are great. Yeah. All those I know is, Jeff, you got to tell me where to get those sunglasses. Those are the coolest sunglasses ever. They're really? like the heart, baby. These are the official <laughs> baseball guy Oakleys right now. This is what you got to oh, have. For sure, they're the official 100%. baseball guy Oakleys. They, these are, they, these are Oakley Sutros. Oakley they actually Sutros. look like the glasses that the lady wore at the end of the Madam Web movie. You're better but off. The only people who wear those sunglasses are Seven people baseball have seen players. Dumb is one of them. Yeah. yeah, the right. people who wear the sunglasses <laughs> are baseball players and golden doodles that are in backpacks of people. You know what I'm saying? Listen, like, if, uh, if I was <laughs> 20, if I was 20 years younger, I would have white frames, but I'm not, so I have the more conservative black frame. And the even cooler guys have the sutros that don't have the bottom frame; they're just lens. Ooh, man, those are you can pull that off. All right, it's the it's well, the drip, for, man. For an audio format podcast, this was a waste of three minutes. But we're going to move on and t- uh, dive into the questions. Again, uh, I'm going to do something different this week. Um, uh, I'm going to take one question from our Facebook group that currently happened and one question from our uh, list of people who submitted questions way back when. Let's start with <coughs> um, a question from uh, the list. Kelly Hitchcock wrote, if your church has never really had intention had never been really been intentional about vision and purpose and it's a 150 year history how do you go about starting those conversations and getting people on board with with even the idea of vision and purpose so church doesn't have vision and purpose how do you get them to have vision and purpose definitely start with church discipline and go hard in the paint on that. you read my mind <laughs> definitely don't do that <laughs> i would just say start by asking people questions about like why does our church exist? And if they can't answer those questions, just I would just spend like uh, if you're new there, this might be a five year project. So like, don't rush it. Spend a couple of years just like in your conversations, asking people, you know, what do I? Why do you think our church exists? What are we here for? And just see what they tell you. Maybe make a list of all that, and then through your own prayer and discernment, like figure out what you see. I'm assuming this person is new in their church. Maybe they're not, but I'm going to go on that assumption. And I would say part of that might mean that if you're new to the church, you might be new to the community that it's in. So you also need to spend at least a year, if not two, kind of learning the community, weaving yourself into the life of the community, understanding what the people in that community are about. Um, 
because for me, when I moved from Florida here to Baltimore, it's, you know, there's a lot of similarities, of course, but there's a lot of unique things about Baltimore and about my neighborhood in Baltimore that are, um, that are unique. So you just got to spend time, but I would just start by asking questions. One practice you can do is, um, just to begin to get people to think about this. I've been doing this, not I've obviously my, my church was used to having a vision and, and a purpose. So I, I didn't do it here, but I'm part of a neighborhood improvement association and I am now the president. And so I began to just do this like indirectly, which you could do in a church too, which is any kind of like important event that, that, that your church has. I'm guessing they have one or two things that they always do every year. Um, and so just ask for like, wh- what's a win when we do the Easter egg hunt, when we do the fall outreach, when we do whatever that event is for this church, just ask the people who lead that. What, how do you, you know, know that you got an A plus at this event at the end of it, and then listen to their answer. And in that answer is going to be at least some version of their vision and purpose for it. Even if and you then, don't agree with their answer, even if, yeah, even if you don't agree with it, <laughs> yeah. it and you may need to change it, but it will at least begin them Good talking point. in that kind of uh, way. And then you can begin to ask, you know, well, what do you think the win is for our church? And you can do it in the different ministries. What's the win for our, you know, music team, for our children's ministry, for our, whatever it is. And just get them used to the concept of talking about having a win statement or having a vision and a purpose. And then I think the other exercise for you is to be very clear about what a vision is, what a mission statement is, what a purpose is, like understand those things yourself so that you can give people language. That sounds like some discipleship, Jeff. I'm just going to drop that out there. Is this a discipleship issue? Could it be? Could be. Could be. I don't know. For me, I was thinking through what you're saying, and I'm like signing off on all that and partially taking notes. A, a couple things I would add is on the front end, I would definitely spend some time in, uh, in prayer and reflection, like before you even start, just to make sure your head's on straight. And also that's a good way for God to filter. You know, sometimes when I, when we talk vision, I want to bring what I want to bring to the table. So like, if I get that out in prayer first, it, so what Jeff said, if I get back the answer and I don't like what they're saying, like it doesn't sit in my heart and sour because maybe God has given you something and that's not where they are. So being in prayer and having your heart just right and humble is, is really good before that. Also, a couple of things I would just offer as well is when you are casting vision, when you're preaching, like go ahead and start calling out what you see they're doing well in your sermons. Go, man, I've seen that you guys run, you know, these backyard Bible clubs or whatever, you know, in your in your context. And I just see that's such a great outreach thing. So you're already showing them the field, so to speak, that we're going to be going and, and identifying and then once you once you start to plant those seeds and you feel like people might start even adopting, you know, some of that language, yeah, we're going to go do outreach, which is biblical language. We're not making up like fancy new things. Um, then then I would me personally, I would go to a few high, highly influential early adopters in your church, um, people who understand the value of knowing where you're going. And sometimes these are people who have been in certain places, either in ministry or even in, in their secular vocation, they understand that we got to have a destination. And if if they can get on board and almost be your, um, you know, the people who would speak on your behalf, not on your behalf, but they would vouch for you. Because like Frank said, if you're new in this church, Hey, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to make all this new vision, man. That'll go over like a lead balloon. 
But if you have people who you trust, they trust you, you've made relationships, you could pull them in on that conversation very informally, not we're going to have a meeting and discuss the vision because you second you put that sucker on a calendar is the second the whole church knows about it sometimes, you know, instead, hey, we're going to meet up at uh, in, in Sumter, it'd be like, we're going to meet at Bojangles and we're just going to have breakfast once a month. And, and as those guys get on board, um, then that's going to start bringing over the whole church. So then hopefully you can go into a conversation. And whenever you get to the place where you're like, this is the mission and vision, hopefully you're just calling out what the people are already doing, or at least encourage them to where they need to be. I would celebrate that, like massively celebrate it when you roll it out. Because, you know, um, what's that saying? And, and I hate to use it, because, but it's true. Like oftentimes what's celebrated is repeated. So like if we celebrate our mission and vision, if we put it out there, hey, we're going to not, this isn't just going to be some words on the, you know, that some la some lady cricketed and stuck on the wall at the church. This is our livelihood. Then I would celebrate that. So the church is also like, this is really awesome. And then practically when you're in your meetings, in your debriefings, do exactly, I would say what Jeff did. I would write down every event, every program, everything you do. And then under it, you write, which part of your mission and vision does this accomplish? And if it doesn't, that is a great exercise for leadership on knowing what to hold out. So you got, you know, prayer, then you've got, you know, early adoption, implementation, and then you got execution. I think all those things go really important. Um, and then the biggest thing is you got to make sure you're always stoking the fire with this one. Cause how many churches spend all this time and money coming up with a mission and vision and it's awesome. And it goes on the front of your bulletin and on your sign out front. And then it's like, you walk in the church and it's not in any of the language. It's not in the sermons. And it's hey, like, Hey, oh, hey, hey, do it. I feel attacked now. Stop. Oh, okay. Well, I was done anyway. So <laughs> Zell, I think but what you were trying to say is what gets celebrated gets duplicated. Ooh. And it's Ooh. true because it rhymes. I just okay. felt, Delmar, I felt attacked because that's pretty much the rut I find myself in oh, somewhat really? often. Yeah, where I'm like, we have them. People come up and ask me, what's their mission and vision? And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm not communicating it enough, you know? Uh, we no, have I, mean, I, just don't, I just don't talk about it enough sometimes. Mm. When I first got here about seven years ago, I was sitting with, in an elders meeting. I was like, hey, like, do we have one of these? And they're like, yes, it's reaching up and reaching out i'm like okay but what does that mean those that's are how baby gets out the cradle that's yeah those, <laughs> those are not actual i don't even think those are full sentences there's a period after both what does that mean and so we started to kind of be intentional and i was like you know does this something we want to develop and it was like a no we know who we are as a church we don't need anything to you know more articulated than that and i think you know again i was the sixth pastor in five years and so there were a couple elders that just we're not wanting another system or, or whatever. And so it was a slow, slow, slow rollout, pay attention to what's going on. And uh, then we started to get to the point where I would go out of my way to be like, you know, Hey, one of my goals as a church is that we will be a church that exists uh, or that is not just in safety Harbor, but exists for the people of safety Harbor. And so I started to mention that, you know, in a sermon once a month or so, if there's an outreach that we were doing or, or whatever it was. And now, you know, it, it's been seven years later, I find that elder saying, you know, it's one, that's why our vision, you know, or sorry, that's why the mission of our church is to be a church that is not just in downtown safety Harbor, but is for downtown safety Harbor. And it's just really almost ironic that because it has been repeated and subtly slipped in there so many times now we have people that didn't want to do the work of fleshing out our mission 
are now articulating the mission that we've kind of landed on. So it, it is a process. Don't expect to, you know, go to one yeah. or two meetings and then be ready to print it on the wall and put it on T-shirts and be be good to go. Expect it to take several years before people catch what uh, that vision is going to be. And I know this goes without saying, but if you're creating a vision and mission, you've met with this elder and talked about it. You've met with this person. And as the pastor, we get really tired of saying it, not tired, but we feel like we're over saying it. But what percentage do you think that people actually hear us saying it? Maybe 30, you know, if like we should communicate it to where it feels like, oh my goodness, we're beating this dead horse. But if you're not, a lot of times, if, if, if it's not coming from you in the pulpit, a lot of times people aren't hearing it. I know there's quite often when um when we get to the end of our sermons in application, we'll be like, hey, listen, so this is a church that we're devoted, connected, and reaching. So this is devoted. So this is how this is how this carries out in your devotion life. And we actually show how this tactically, this sermon you've heard is is really um coming and it's is is coming to and flowing from scripture. Because let's be honest, all of our mission, vision, and values should be tethered to scripture. So it shouldn't be like you're forcing anything in your sermons, because if, if they're coming from scripture, it should be low hanging fruit. But tying that into your preaching is, I would say it's huge part of our people um, getting on board. I, uh, yeah, you have to repeat it ag nauseum. If you think yeah. you are saying it too much, the people in the pews or in the chairs might just be catching on. It's yeah, one I of equate- those things where you have to say it over and over and over again. And about three months after you're sick of saying it, that's when most congregants are starting to get it. And that's when you get it tattooed on your forearm right here. <laughs> and then I, you get fired uh, I and kind you of, have the church logo on your forearm. Like, <laughs> oh, no, why did I do that? I kind of equate it when I was a, mainly a worship leader to the feeling of like, I've sung this song a hundred billion times. I'm sick of it. And the congregation be like, hey, yep. what's that new song we're singing? I like it. Yep. Like, oh, my really? goodness. Because you got to remember. Let's do part How He Loves part- Again. That's a great one. Part of the challenge is that um, everybody doesn't come every week. Mm-hmm. It's like you're saying it every week, but the average parishioner is coming twice a month, so they're getting it half as often um, as you are as you are saying it, and that's considered pretty good. Yeah, I uh, I think it's not just repeating it in a sermon; it's like repeating it in your bulletin, rep- having signage in membership class and announcements like it needs to be like overly repeated there's a quote uh there's a book i would recommend i I don't know how we feel about george barna but uh he's a book called the power of vision um and it's book for like church leaders to create mission and vision for the church and i think it's important to like i think jeff said it it's like to even know for yourself how would you define there's a distinction between mission and vision and like how would you like how would you define that like even like I bet I bet the elder at Andrews Church was probably like using word mission and vision as like synonyms and like saying the same thing if you were to ask him. And, and mission and vision are, are, are a bit two different things. George Barnes says you might define vision as foresight with insight based on hindsight. And and as as Andrew says, you know it's true because it rhymes. Um, and like there's like like your your vision is ultimately what's going to help you not create sideways energy in your ministry. Because if you know what your vision is, if you know what you're trying to accomplish, like, like what Andrew said, if, if our vision is to not be a church just in Safety Harbor but for Safety Harbor, then like he might not do a bunch of mission stuff in Tampa. 
or in Clearwater or in a different, you know, like, like you might focus if there's two options on the table and one of the options is for safety Harbor, that's going to help drive that. I think like a lot of churches, when you start becoming, um, uh, we, we talked about this when it comes to like uh, branding, when you stop becoming a branded house and become a house of brands, you become a house of brands because you're just starting to create a bunch of different things that are like doing a bunch of different different directions. And it, every, every individual ministry has its own mission and vision. It's your church can't like operate like that. Sadly, a lot of churches operate like that, right? Like a lot of churches. Yeah, you should say a, they, they can't effectively operate like that, but you can yeah, operate you can. like that. You can. Um, uh, and the churches that do operate like that, the only reason why they're sustainable is because they have a really bloated budget. Like they have so much money that like it doesn't really matter if there's a lack of vision. They're just like well funded so they can have, you know, a ministry for everything. But like when you have a vision, a clear vision of like, hey, we're going to be a church that's going to do this, this and this and this. Like now when you're presented with um, a random ministry opportunity, uh grandma's knitting for jesus like that doesn't really fit the vision of what we're trying to do but if you're like we want to reach uh the elderly population in our community maybe that is the thing you need to do right Mm. like the vision helps you determine that mission i mean ultimately i think all missions should be the same mission as the gospel it's to be making disciples in, in, in jesus name but how that vision is fleshed out with your unique church is something that needs to be prayerfully decided i think like jeff said like everyone said here it's it might take it might take five years I think, though, <clears throat> Andrew just gave you a little master class of how to do this. You drip the vision. You, like, don't drip. necessarily, like, uh, say, on the calendar, we're going to have a vision meeting, and I'm going to show you the vision. Churches that do that Vision Sunday. Like, Everybody, it's Vision yeah. Sunday. Here comes Vision, <laughs> vision Sunday. Drip. Yeah, churches that do that either have a very charismatic leader that has, like, uh, all the authority and, like, can do whatever they want and, like – Vision Sundays are like unless, unless like a Vision Sunday is just a name to remind everyone of the vision. Those are like not really the healthiest way to do it. I think Vision Drip is the best way to do it. Where it's like Andrews one day said, you know, what if we are a church not just in Safety Harbor but for Safety Harbor? And you repeat that. And you mention this sermon like, as I want to be a pastor of a church for Safety Harbor, and you just repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Now the elder is repeating the vision that he didn't realize he agreed to, and and that Vision Drip throughout a long period of time starts marinating in the people and all the new people who come in only know that vision because that's the thing you keep hearing that from that your pastor, from the leader. Um, Can I add so, one thing? Yeah, go for it. Well, maybe a couple things. Um, see how I waited till after you agreed. That's what you do. Uh, no, I was just going to say for sure. Uh, you do not have, if this is a 150 year old church, you don't have the charisma and the energy to just come in and like force feed it. So, hundred percent what Frank said. I was going to just say, based on our, you know, what Frank said most recently, the biggest pushback you're going to have is if in the last, let's say era of this church, last, you know, generation or so they are used to having multiple people sort of have their pet ministry or their pet outreach, which is typically what happens in a church that doesn't have a strong idea vision and purpose that is where you're going to get your pushback because some of those people either are going to be eventually told, Hey, we're not going to be able to do this anymore. Or they're going to start to sense, wait a minute, we're going to have a unified vision and purpose. And what if I don't fit into it? Because the reality is they might not have a written vision and purpose, but they have an unwritten one. And many of them have unwritten visions and purposes. And that's why I said, 
you got to start with asking questions and maybe make a list of all the different answers to that question you heard. Um, because like when I came here, there were what I noticed was we were just kind of like a bunch of different ideas of things to do. They were all good ideas, but there really wasn't. Why are we doing this? And right. well, I, I don't know. We've just been doing this for years and we did this event once and this person came to our church. So now we're going to do it every year. And and like you said, Frank, it wasn't necessarily effective or didn't really have a purpose. It was just this is so and so's thing that they do every spring. This is so and so's thing they do every fall. And you, my caution is be careful of asking um, why in a like aggressive way or a way that makes them feel like you're asking why so you can shut it down initially. And, and that's begin all- asking begin asking why, but really listen to their answers. And you might have to do an event that you really don't think is effective for another three or four years before you've earned enough trust in you know in your leadership to be able to say can we pivot this to something else i'll be honest you nailed it on the last part you cannot do this fast because what jeff said somebody's going to find out or you're going to see this person's event has nothing to do with the vision and mission of this church and it's got to go or or option b because there's always like to give at least two options so that way you don't funnel people into a hole Maybe it doesn't need to go, but can what what can you change in this to make it in alignment with the church? You know, like how how can this accomplish that goal? But like Jeff just said, we're not having that conversation. You know, the day we print the mission and vision on the flyer, I don't think. You know, that's that's a um, tie it back in Andrew. Like that's the drip, and you got to get enough uh, you got to get enough fluid in the container so that way it can move around. So. I would say uh, slow play that, but also have those conversations. And that's another reason that it doesn't matter how big or how small your church is, especially in small churches. This is why I would encourage you to have, um, you can call them staff meetings, but you know, like leadership team meetings where you're communicating things that don't necessarily impact across departmental communication, because what it does, it does allow us to blink each other. Because, you know, once everybody's got the mission on board, Miss, um, you know, you might not can tell Miss Betsy that her sewing class is taken away from the mission and vision. But, you know, Mr. Ed, who's the chair of whatever, he, he might see the vision and he might horse. speak into it. He's, <laughs> yeah, he could speak into it. So, yeah, pulling in those people will help will help speed up your process in theory. But humility, I, I would think top tier quality humility like you like if you can't have humility in this then people are just not going to follow and then you got to also have you need to have confidence in it too so that's that's the balancing act you want to be confident because this is the thing but you want to be humble in that well i'm not going to bulldoze everybody for it this is why pastoring for a while makes a difference if If they're all in their 70s and 80s just wait yeah just wait but if if you expect to, to parachute into a church and say, I'm going to change everything, and, and within three years, this church is going to be functioning this way, you are going to have nothing but uphill climbs and nothing but heartache. One of the, the great gifts that, that I have been blessed with is uh, I'm in a church in my hometown. It was the first senior pastor, and you know God could change things, certainly. But from the moment I got here, the idea was to be here for the next 30 years. And as I've said probably – 5,000 times in the past seven years, if your plan is 30 years, you only need to change 3% a year to do a full 180. And that's not even quite how math works because, you know, there's the, the extra little bit. But if you're only trying to change a couple percentage points a year, 
you don't need to turn the ship in such a way that's going to make all the, um, you know, whatever demographic it is, upset and leave. You don't need to come in real quick and, and flip over tables. You can be kind of slow as you make changes, and then the people are going to trust you more anyway. But if you're looking to, well, I want to be at this church for three years, and then I want to go to a church of 400 for five years, and then I'm going to get a church of 1,000 people after that, you'll, you won't make an impact on any of those churches. If that's your mindset, quit. Mm. I mean, start, start the, a podcast. Yeah, don't be a pastor. You just want people to hear your voice. Get out. The of easiest, here. the easiest way to get a pay increase is to get a new job. Sometimes, so that's probably a big reason why people that, do well, that too. That's that's the other side of it. It's you know, there are times that uh, you need to leave. I think everybody, all four of us, have yeah. been through that at some point as well. But yeah. if you are the person casting vision for the yeah. organization. Hopefully, yeah. you yeah. have the ability to say, hey, this is at least a multi-year project. This is not yeah. something that we're going to accomplish in the next six months. Yeah. And, and and the reality is, even if you're not the senior pastor, if you, are, if you have longevity in a church, you have immense influence by that longevity. Like, I know youth pastors who've been in a church for 10 years – and they have a new lead pastor, and whenever a decision's made, they look at the youth pastor because he has more of that influence than even the lead pastor does. You know, so it's like that. That that is like the kind of a critical thing of that longevity makes a huge difference. Uh, let's let's dive into another question. It's from our Facebook group. Um, there was petty comments towards me because of this question, but I want to have a sincere conversation about it. Jesse Lofton asked, um, "What are your thoughts on sharing sermon clips?" from your sermon on your personal social. I see others do it and I don't mind. When I do it, I'm self-conscious. I don't think it's, I don't think about how self-promoting it feels. I, sorry, I think about how self-promoting it feels, etc. It's sort of the same vibe I have about raising my hands in corporate worship. Not against it, kind of like it, not what I do. What are, we, I have, what are our thoughts? Uh, hold, first on, first off, raising your hands in worship is... What are we talking? How did that get thrown in there? No, I think I'm he's pre- saying that's his personal conviction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I'm just like, wait a minute. What? Being self-promoting in posting about yourself and feeling self-conscious about raising your hands in worship. One As thing a worship Paul leader, writes I'm about offended. several times. How dare you? The other you bring one is a very together. 21st century <laughs> issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do uh, it. I've done it a few times. I just, I don't think it's that effective for me. Like I, it. It takes a lot of it, it for me. I don't have a staff, so it takes me time that I don't want to give to it, and I've never seen it do anything effective. Now, granted, I haven't tried very often, so maybe I would need to do it every week for a year before I would notice anything. But I think that I have a different. I remember this question from the group, and I have a different presupposition about the purpose of preaching. He mentioned in the question, if I remember it right, about isn't preaching the word all about get, reaching as many people as possible? And I would say the sermon on a Sunday morning, no, I don't think that's his primary purpose. That's not my presupposition. I think it's about discipling the people that you're called to to disciple, um, mainly in the room, honestly. And then, yeah, if it's online, cool. But I I don't think it's wrong or right. I don't hold it with a closed hand. But, um, you know, obviously Frank and I are still friends, and he does it all the time. So. Not really, but yeah, I don't think it's a <laughs> poor friend. I think if you're self-conscious about it, it makes you feel self-promoting. Don't do it. Don't do it. You don't What's need that, to do it. You know, all things are, are permissible. Not all things are good. You know, like so 
I'm right there with you. I feel like the sermon is for the sheep in the room, your flock specifically. Um, I'm not opposed to doing sermon clips. We do them every now and then at our church. But one of the reasons I post mine very sparingly is because I check my heart before I do. And when I check my heart before I post them, sometimes I'm like, I really want this. I want a lot of people to see this who are in my community. And then I'm like, well, which people do I want to see in the community? The lost or is this sermon clip specifically really going to hammer to other church folks? Well, it's probably going to hit home more with other church folks. Okay, well, then what are you doing? You know, like I'm so for me, I, I choose not to a lot of times. That's only for me. And that's because my heart isn't right in it. Um, because I I am wanting something other than feeding my flock that God's entrusted me to. And and whenever I want that, then I'm just literally using the podium at the church, which God has blessed me to preach behind as a clout machine for the community in my life. And for me, that's that's that would be highly that um, I would be in this, a space of sin for that. Now, that is not everyone's game. And sometimes my clips, I'll watch them. I'll be like, no, this isn't this is for somebody who could just watch it like somebody like somebody who logs online. They're not in church. This OK, this might be good for them. But um, I'm very careful with the content that we do put out uh, in regards to like, who's it for? So that's my first line. And then the second line is, where's my heart in this? And if it passes two of those hurdles, I don't really have as much of a problem with it. One of the things I do um, sometimes for our pastor to kind of help remove some of that is when, when he preaches, I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes I will clip a sermon out of his stuff. I'm like, this is good for the community, you know, and I will send that to him. So that way his heart's not in it. He's not even always going, oh, what's my what's my sweet spot of this sermon? And it kind of it's, it's one layer of removal. So if you want to post it, it, you know, it's if you could find someone else, say, hey, what's is there something in my sermon that you thought would be beneficial for the community at large? That's fine. But then again, it has to jump those first two hurdles I was telling you about for me first. See, I when you're talking about somebody else clipping it, it's funny, probably specifically for me and Jeff, just because we are we're the only people on staff. I mean, I've got some some part time other somebody. people, but, but well, even but if I somebody else to. told you which part of your no, sermon, not necessarily I, I, doing I'm with it. You. Because my thing is, I don't think I would ever share it on my personal socials. However, if, you know, the the three or four times that we have shared something on the church socials, well, the church socials is me. Nobody else is running the church socials but me. And I have no issue hitting the the reshare or add to my story button when I'm the one that hit share on the church. But for me to post it as Andrew Larson, that feels super icky to me, but I have no issue hitting the reshare button. So I, yeah, same. We're, we're all hypocrites. That's what it is. And it's fun to make fun of Frank. Um, He's bigger really and stronger than we yeah. are. And hey, so defend, there's one punch up, not down, right? Fellas? Fun, that's right. <laughs> you you got to go after the big guns Yep. <laughs> to defend myself. I, uh, <laughs> I think, um, I think, there's an aspect of I, I often think about and mostly because of this podcast, because we've talked about how a sermon um, most Sundays should be a single, not a home run. Right. And I think about the um, the what's the word I'm looking for? The longevity of a message. Like what is the like think about how much work any of us do for a sermon for it to like live and die on a Sunday morning and to never like be used again. Now, obviously like Andrew and, and like, I've done this before. Dell's done this before. Like 
our old youth ministry stuff could get recycled or we could even mm-hmm. put it on youth DYM and it could get sold. But like for the most part, majority of our messages, we're going to spend 10, 15, maybe 20 hours a week working on that message to spend 30 to 45 minutes to an hour preaching it, depending on how many services you have. And then it'll never be used again. And that message might be impactful, right? And so I sometimes think because of our conversation here, how can we give that message just a little bit more life into the week of our people? And the reality is, is our people use Facebook a lot. And and how can I reach them to say, hey, I know that this quote, this part of the message might be impactful for you. So, like, let me clip it and send it to you or whatever or, or post it on Facebook and um, as a form of, like, extra discipleship or supplemental discipleship is the way I look at it. Um, and, the, and the big reason why... I do sometimes put it on my own socials is only because I feel like my personal social. Well, one, I have full reign over my social. I don't have the full reign of the church socials like you guys do. Secondly, um, I actually have more reach on my personal socials than my church's socials. So like if I, if a, if a, if a church shares something and I share it, it'll reach a lot of people. If, if I don't share it, the church, it'll only reach like whoever it reaches. If I share it, it'll reach everyone in my church and then whoever else. Anyways, th- this could easily sound narcissistic. And actually, to Jeff's credit, like I haven't posted a bunch of clips sure lately. Sure does. <laughs> <laughs> but mostly because, mostly because the part I don't like about all this is getting the sermon off of YouTube, downloading it, editing it, finding that clip. Oh, it's like, work. It it's is work. legit work. Putting it, you know, I, I want to put it in the top. Instagram one of the, the things, the AI ones, like we will find the seven best moments from your video. I'm like, ooh, say less. Let me. Well, give the you thing about this that we're all saying is that we do not remember what we said. Like, I don't remember <laughs> yeah. every little nuance. People will text me after a Sunday, be like, "Man, oh, yeah. when you said this," and I'm like, "I mean, that does sound good. I don't remember saying it. It's that not your exact notes. way. It just." <laughs> kind of happens that's part of preaching and, and and like i don't know like i think there's value there i think i think you guys all touched on something if someone else does the editing and the cropping and the posting it kind of like absolves you from anything because then also like it'd be great if all of us had a um media intern or a media staff person to say hey every every week on monday you can find a clip for my message that you think would be useful to share do it and give them full reign on that. Then it's outside of your hands, right? Like that, that would be, that'd be sick. That'd be sweet. Not everyone has that opportunity. And some churches actually have a principle to not post clips like this. Right. So, I mean, I think, I think Delmar said it, said it well, like start off this, like if you feel like it's self-promoting, it's probably self-promoting. Like if you mm-hmm. feel like yeah, it's, it's sure. icky, then don't do it. But if you don't feel like it's icky and it's for the purpose of promoting, I like with Andrew, it was funny when I was thinking what Andrew was saying. Yeah, Andrew knows he's the only one that controls the social media of the church, but like no one else does. So like, if Andrew wants to post a bunch of videos um, uh, that are from him, no one's going to think Andrew's a narcissist for promoting this. I mean, the four of us will because we know who runs this. Uh, Facebook I assume account. that it's Miss Shirley. So, <laughs> if there's anybody who uh, loves to edit video. It is Shirley Bragdon. <laughs> it's her thing. She loves it. Yeah. I mean, like, Tim gets really good shots of himself when he's baptizing with his muscles out. He really he's does. He's the one posting that photo. He's yeah, the one posting Yeah, we need oh, him sure, on this Tim. podcast but, right now. But Tim we has do. a professional <laughs> photographer 
who is like, hey, sure. I'm a professional photographer. I make bank. But one day a week, can I bring my gear and just take pictures around the church so I don't have to listen to you preach? And Tim's like, okay, <laughs> sure. So Tim does not he take any part. pictures. He just gets the best pictures because he literally has a guy who is, that, that's his full-time job. And he's like, hey, part of how I can serve my church is I'm just going to always have my gear with me. He and crushes it. it. Like he does and it looks job. great. Can we can we agree that that this is not a right or wrong issue? It's oh, a great. it's very oh, much yeah. a you issue. But if you are someone who regularly has a profile picture of you holding a microphone on stage, you <laughs> yeah, are way more that. likely you are way more likely to be posting clips of yourself preaching. Hey, if y'all are pulling interviews with people and you check their social and that's their profile picture, what do you do with the resume? Especially if their title has <laughs> the word bishop. like bishop in it, yeah. Like, Profit. I would. Yeah, hard, so here's yeah. one hard workaround. Pass. One workaround idea that I like. I've wrestled with and I've done before. Um, when you're writing your sermon, if there is a thought that you cut out or that you don't include, or some word that you think will, you know, idea that goes a little further than you wanted to go in the sermon or whatever. You could make note of that and then just like make a simple devotional style video and send that out midweek and like after the sermon. So if you preach, I preached Lamentations 2 on Sunday. If I had gone into some detail in my sermon prep that I didn't actually that I cut out of my sermon for time or something, I could add that. Or if there was some question, you know, if you're preaching and you're like, I don't want to deal with the Nephilim today, but on Thursday, I'll send out some little thing about that. Then, and you want to post that? That's kind of accomplishing the same thing. I say that because somebody asked me about the Nephilim on Sunday, uh, totally <laughs> I, randomly. I was in Genesis twenty-four yesterday, yeah. and I got to the point, you know, about the put your hand under my thigh, and I was like, "Oh, there you go." You, you need to grab a good commentary or a study Bible and read up on what this means. We don't have time for it today. Not allowed but, with your kids too. Don't but, read it aloud. But, with them. but grab a commentary or a study Bible. <laughs> And I got so many text messages like, why did you have me look that up? It was awesome. I was so proud. Full counsel of God, baby. Full counsel. A couple thoughts. I've got a a younger pastor who I'm good buddies with who kind of got himself in a little bit of hot water. And he was having me critique some sermons that he had had up. And my critique, I think, goes to this post thing. Uh, If you're posting something where you are the hero of a story, Mm -hmm. stop. Your job – if you are talking about yourself, you are either the dimwit or the villain. Like not the like intentional villain, but you are the unintentional bad guy, or you are never the you are never the hero, never the victim. You are either the villain or like the the dummy in whatever story you are telling about yourself. Always make somebody else the hero of any story you're telling, and ultimately always make Jesus the hero of every sermon that you're preaching. But if you are gonna share a clip you better not come across as someone who looks like, wow, everybody should be following me. You want mm-hmm. to share something where you are showing your own ineptitude, but by the grace of Jesus, you know, you didn't blow yourself up or whatever it might be. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll end with this. Uh, and, th- and this might bite me in the butt later when I post a clip of myself one day, but like, I think it's okay for our sermons to just be heard by the people in the room. And, oh, 100%. If, it, and if it, if it doesn't go out, out of that, even if there were people who weren't there on Sunday, don't hear it. Like, I think there's something like divinely appointed for that message, for that moment in that space. And that's okay. Um, uh, I think like uh, when we first check our heart and we were like, you know, determining if this is okay or not, 
I'm not going to fault you. I do think that, like, to, to one point, there are people who want to be, like, itinerant speakers, right? They want to do the the, 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 the church summer camp uh, circuit, and they want to do all those things. And I think that's good, and I think that's fine. They also like, want to have... be 1987. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'll say this. Uh, Justin Knowles uh, said this, and I agree with him. Um, you know, if you want to be a speaker, don't try so hard trying to be a speaker. Does that make sense? Like, mm-hmm. if you're constantly trying to sell yourself, like, summer camp organizations, you know, whatever, like, they're, they don't want the person that's constantly calling them saying, can I, can I come speak for you? But the person who says, hey, I'm going to go across town and speak at another church when they have when they need pulpit supply, or I'm going to go speak at the youth group at their, you know, a local youth group, like, that slowly building your resume will help you get to the speaking that you want. If you, I would I say mean, it doesn't guarantee, would... but it could. Another caution that I'm thinking of is like the associate pastor or the youth pastor who every time they get a chance to speak in like in their in their church will post about, hey, everyone, I'm speaking on Sunday. I'd love to see you there. Like that's not always a good look or so blessed and honored and humbled Uh to be able to take the pulpit. Oh, goodness. Right. It's it's kind of like and you know, those guys that it's like. You know, deep down, it's really about trying to get their friends to show up so that it looks like more people want to hear them speak. And I just think it could it could be your own insecurity as a senior pastor, too. Like, we got to say that as well. But it also, if you're a young guy and you are always doing that, that can be pretty self-promoting feeling, too. I uh, looked up Jesse's church to see if I could figure out um, uh, what um, denomination it was, because that might speak into his uh, uncomfortableness with raising his hands. Um, he, he, his church website, two things, two thoughts. One, it does one pet peeve that I find a lot of churches. Um, and maybe they're just non-denominational, but like, there's no clarity on like the denomination or an association. And I find a lot of churches do that. And like, that's fine. The second thing is though, I really like their website. I, 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 look, I was like, this is a really cool website. It's clean. It's nice. And, and it feels cool. It's, it's a cool name of a church. So anyways, Jesse, I'm, I'm assuming that the reason why you don't like holding your hands up in, in worship is just like a – I often look at those things as like worship ticks. Like we just do certain things like kind of unconsciously. Um, and uh, if you like it, don't feel bad about it. Like it's not self-promoting. But if, you don't, if you're uncomfortable, then don't do it. Anyways, that's not what you asked for. But I like your website. That's why I want to say that. Hey, thank you for – listening to today's episode uh please join our facebook ask questions in there uh we look forward to doing this every single week and hanging out with you with that being said i'm frank gill i'm jeff simpson i'm delmar p i'm andrew larson and this is practically pastoring see you next time bye